Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. A decade after the Flint crisis, Congress just made a massive investment toward removing lead pipes from our nation's drinking water system. But on today's podcast, we look at why the folks who run those water systems actually aren't celebrating. Hello and welcome back yet again to Parts Per Billion, the environmental podcast from Bloomberg Law. I'm your host, David Schultz. It'll be 10 years this March since officials in Michigan announced their plan to switch the water source for the town of Flint from Lake Huron to the polluted Flint River. That decision, and many, many other subsequent missteps, led to the Flint water crisis in which the polluted water corroded the city's system of old lead pipes and dissolved the toxic metal into the town's drinking water system. Aside from the sheer human tragedy of the crisis, one of its takeaways was that using lead pipes to deliver drinking water poses an unavoidable risk, regardless of how much that water is or isn't treated. So that was 10 years ago. What's happened since then? Well, officials across the country have realized just how hard it is to remediate an environmental hazard that's been buried underground and is connected to each individual home. Maybe, as you'll hear in a bit, we don't actually know which houses get their water from lead pipes. Late last year, there was a big development on the financial side of things. Congress included $15 billion for lead pipe removal in the infrastructure bill that the president signed in November. And if the president's Build Back Better package passes, which is looking like a big if right now, that would add an additional $10 billion. It's the largest federal allocation toward lead pipe removal since, well, maybe ever. But there's a big difference between allocating money and actually spending it, and that's what we're going to be discussing on today's podcast. Bloomberg Law reporters Bobby McGill and Paige Smith recently wrote stories about some of the blockages that could clog up the flow of this money, pun very much intended. I started off by asking Paige about exactly what Congress actually did last year on lead pipes. So the bipartisan infrastructure law, it was signed by President Joe Biden on November 15th. And it essentially promises $15 billion in funding to replace lead pipes over the next 10 years. And so that's um, that's been signed into law. Um, the other component about this is that, you know, there is there are these pending negotiations on the what is known as the Build Back Better Act. And I mean, that would provide an additional $10 billion in funds to replace lead pipes. Um, and then there are also some other uh, White House initiatives um, that could provide even more funding. Um, Bobby, you know, I was really interested in your story about, you know, how this money that's already been uh, passed uh, and signed by the president, 
how this is going to get out. And it sounds like there are some real impediments to getting this out the door. Can you talk a little bit about a few of the things that might make it a little harder for EPA to actually get this money into people's homes and and pipes? Yeah, well, part of that is that, um, you know, the states, for the most part, are in charge of distributing this funding. And so as of a few weeks ago, the states were looking for guidance from the EPA, uh, you know, with regard to how they should be distributing this this funding to local water systems and cities that need to replace pipes. Um, this goes through what they call the state revolving fund. Um, and, uh, and there are some other avenues as well, but um, that's the primary one. Yeah. And it seems like one, you know, based on the, the people you spoke with, one of the biggest impediments here is that we still don't know where all the lead pipes are. You know, we don't have a full inventory of where these pipes are in the country. So here's a question. Do you know if you have lead pipes coming into your house? Oh, I was really hoping you wouldn't ask me that. Um, no, no, I can't say I do know. See, but that's the thing. I mean, they're, yeah. the, the, the number that um, the EPA is using is, is they're estimating, you know, based on a 2016 study, they're estimating, you know, 10, uh, roughly 10 million um, lead pipes across the country that need to be replaced. And this is an estimate because nobody knows exactly how many there are. They are estimating based on like when houses were built, you know, what materials were used back in those days. Um, some cities uh, like Pittsburgh, uh, they're doing a, a survey um, and they have a really cool interactive map you can see online as to, you know, where they're prioritizing these these lead pipe replacements. But there's a lot of systems that just don't know. And the EPA doesn't know either. And, and they're, uh, you know, that, that is an impediment. Yeah. I mean, the other thing I was surprised by is that you spoke with some folks from state water agencies who, again, you know, the money is flowing through the states. And I would have expected them to just be jumping for joy, uh, you know, at the prospect of getting all this money. But they actually seem really ambivalent and like, you know, uh, not sure what to do with it. What's going on with that? Why are they saying like, uh, we're not sure how to use the money? What, you know, what, why, why is that? Well, because I think in part they just haven't seen this much money that they have to dole out um, for, for this particular thing. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's just a new process for them to, to have to grapple with. Um, and it's complicated. And, you know, these, these cities have to and these water systems have to apply for this money um, and they have to develop criteria for that. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty significant bureaucratic process, potentially. Speaking of bureaucratic processes, actually, uh, our colleague Stephen Lee actually just reported uh, on a report from the inspector general uh, saying that EPA's process for doling out money is not strong enough. So the inspector general is saying more bureaucracy, more red tape. Uh, meanwhile, the it sounds like the agency is really you know under the gun to get this money out and to accomplish this this goal that has eluded you know the agency for so long. You know they've been trying to do this for so for such a long time. That's right, and um, you know it, it's 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 going to be interesting to watch it unfold over the next year or so. Um, and it's, it's going to take a while for all of this to, to play out. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. You need a company with extensive experience in specialized insurance. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and helping provide coverage that suits your needs. 
The Hartford offers insurance solutions that help mid to large sized businesses like yours effectively manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With extensive experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, the Hartford goes beyond the expected to deliver innovative, customizable solutions and service that your industry, that your business demands. At the Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how the Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Steeple and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Yeah, so Paige, uh, I wanted to talk to you about the human angle here because it's not just a matter of, you know, allocating money. It's also allocating people and man hours. And you just did a story about how this could be, you know, even tougher because we just don't have the plumbers. We don't have the construction workers who are able to do this. What's going on here? Yeah, I mean, part of this is sort of if you step back, I think that so many employers are struggling at this moment in time to just fill open positions. Right. So, um, I mean, you have this huge influx of cash and this potential for investment, but yeah, I mean, if you don't have the people to kind of step up and, and, you know, step up to, to finish the job, then that could be an issue. Um, so I did reach out to a number of unions and, and some other folks who are kind of watching these, these employment numbers pretty closely. And, you know, uh, unions like the United Association of Journeymen and Apprentices of the Plumbing and Pipe Fitting Industry, the UA, um, I mean, they've said that they can step up and, and meet the increased demand, but, there are also some other doubts about, um, you know, actual employment numbers in the construction industry. So I chatted with some economists, for example, who said that workers, construction workers are finding jobs in other sectors or dropping out of the workforce. So part of it as well is we'll have to see how long this takes. Right. Like the COVID-19 pandemic is obviously still in full swing at this moment in time. And there's still very much a labor shortage, but um, we'll kind of have to see if the if there are um, you know union sponsored workforce training, um, for example, might that could help fill the gap for some of uh, this demand. And um, yeah, we'll have to see. Yeah, that was one of the things I was going to ask you about is that you know ripping pipes out of the ground and installing new pipes that's not unskilled labor. Like that's something that you actually need a lot of expertise to be able to do. Is that one of the things that is making it harder here is that this is not just a matter of a labor shortage. It's a matter of a labor shortage of a particular skill set. 
Definitely. And I, I mean, I think that is um, I, I think all all labor is skilled labor. Um, but just to be clear, the you know, yeah, there's definitely um, I, I chatted with um, a senior economics advisor from Cornell University, and she said that, yeah, I mean, this is why a really clear workforce development system is needed to kind of respond to this demand. Um, and unions, uh, the when I spoke with the UA, they said that, you know, they are prepared to meet that demand because they do have these sort of apprenticeship programs already established and, you know, the infrastructure, the infrastructure is there, if you will. So um, they said that they can sort of respond. But I, I do think it's still quite early to kind of make an assessment of whether, um, you know, whether the they will sort of rise to the challenge or if if there may be some sort of uh, shortage of, of workers. But as it stands right now, it's 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 looking a little tight. Yeah, I mean, I just got the sense from your story that the the UA folks, the labor union uh, folks that you spoke to, were putting a really rosy spin on this. Um, you know, and you're right; it's way too early to say. I mean, maybe you know they will be able to sort of train up uh, enough people to to handle these billions of dollars in federal funding. But um, you know, is that fair to say that they're being a little overly optimistic, or or is it just you know too soon, really too soon to say? Yeah, I really think it's too soon to say at this point in time, honestly. Um, I think that, you know, just if you look at the numbers of the of I mean, if you look at the UA's sort of, um, you know, their numbers of the members over time, they've sort of stayed consistent. Um, it's not like they've drastically signed up a number of new members, um, but uh, they also haven't lost a you know, thousands of folks. So um, if that's any indication, then um, it's sort of like consistent in their membership. I, I I do think it's just sort of too early to tell, to be honest. So finally, I want to finish with Bobby, um, you know, and take a big step back here and talk about the environmental implications of all of this. Um, you know, we're 10 years on from the Flint water crisis, uh, where, you know, lead poisoning affected the entire city of Flint, Michigan. Um, we've had three presidents now, who have, you know, made this a priority, President Obama, Trump, and now Biden. Are we heading in the right direction? Are we actually making progress toward dealing with lead in our drinking water systems? Or or are we, pun very much not intended, treading water here? I, I think that, you know, as far as I'm aware, the EPA and Congress have never allocated this much money to, to lead pipe replacement. So, I mean, that's 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 progress. Um, you know, how quickly the, the lead pipes are actually uh, replaced, um, you know, is another question. But I mean, the, the fact is that lead pipes aren't used anymore. And so the, the faster they're replaced, the more progress, progress we, we make on that. There are other water infrastructure issues that have to be addressed. And the, and the EPA and Congress are both working on that. And they've allocated other, you know, drinking water funds, um, you know, for other infrastructure upgrades. These are systems that have been neglected for for many many years, and they're finally getting some funding. Um, there's lots of complications with that, but nonetheless, uh, I think it does represent progress. That's a really good point, and it's actually an aspect of this that I hadn't thought about before. That the problem's not necessarily getting worse, you know, in that we're not having cities installing lead pipes and having to rip them out and installing. It's like these. This is a legacy problem that we're just. Tay is taking a really, really long time to fix. But here's the thing, like, you know, PFAS is another example of, of 
you know, one of the infrastructure challenges we face. Some cities, I mean, there's, there's a lot of PFAS in, in, in groundwater we've discovered, right? And so now cities are having to come back and realize that, that they're going to have to have other infrastructure upgrades in order to filter that out if they want or if, if regulations come along requiring them to. Um, so, you know, it, it's we made progress in some areas and then we realized that we have to make even more progress um, in other areas as well to ensure that we have clean drinking water. All right. Well, that was uh, Bobby McGill and Paige Smith uh, speaking with us uh, about lead pipes. Uh, thank you both for joining us, and uh, we will talk to you again soon. Thank you. You bet. Thanks. See ya. And that's it for today's episode of Parts Per Billion. If you want more environmental news, check us out on Twitter. We use the handle at environment, just that at environment. I'm at David B. Schultz if you want to chat with me. That's B as in brr, it's cold outside. Today's episode of Parts for Billion was produced by myself, David Schultz. Parts for Billion was created by Jessica Coombs and Rachel Daigle and is edited by Rebecca Baker and Chuck McCutcheon. And our executive producer is Josh Block. Thank you, everyone, for listening. You don't need to be a judge to be interested in our nation's laws and legal institutions. Just like you don't need to have a law degree to be curious about the inner workings of courts, law firms, and law schools. That's where we come in. My name's Adam Allington, and I'm the host of Uncommon Law, a podcast from the Bloomberg Industry Group. Uncommon Law is where public policy, storytelling, and the law are combined. We explore big topics ranging from tech policy to free speech to race and gender diversity. So please give us a listen. You can subscribe and download today. Just search for Uncommon Law wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.